Welcome to what is my favorite Sunday of the year. I've been telling you about it. I've been telling you it was coming. I've been telling you to get ready. I've been telling you to just get prepared because this is the greatest Sunday, at least in my mind, that we celebrate each, each, each and every year. You say, now why in the world is that? It's because it's the only time I know that I can come to church and I can walk in the front doors and get hugged by a fish. I mean, the only time I know. Only time I know that I can um, walk in, and it's not just getting hugged by a fish. I, over the years, I've gotten hugged by a fish. I've gotten hugged by Shaggy. I, I've gotten hugged by uh, members of um, the great land of Oz. I, I have gotten hugged by so many different characters over the last few years that I'm like, where else can, where else can this happen? This is, just, this is just so much fun, and it's just so great because it makes me feel makes me feel like a kid again. makes me feel like a kid. It really does. I enjoy that. Here's another reason it's my favorite Sunday. Uh, Vacation Bible School Sunday um, each and every year represents a um, beginning and an ending for my family. It represents the um, ending of another year for us being here at East Brainerd and the beginning of another one. And so today closes um, six years that uh, we have been together. And it begins year number seven. And so for Tanya and for Emily, for Micah, for myself, I just want to say thank you to you as a, as a congregation for your kindness, for your generosity, for your love, for the joy that you have shared with us, for the encouragement that you have given us over these last six years. And I want to go ahead and thank you in advance for all those things that you're going to pour out on again to our family during year number, during year number seven. So I look forward to coming and being able to celebrate and say, yeah, we got six years together and think about all the things that God has done over these last few years and think about all the things that God is going to continue to do. And here's what it makes me feel like. Look at the picture up here. Man, you know that kid? It's like, who is that? That was me when I was little. Actually, it does look a lot like me. That's my son at Vacation Bible School a few years back. Okay? I want you to look at the excitement that's there, not only on his face, but on others. Gracie, I think you're a little surprised, by the way, and wondering, who is this madman that's sitting beside me right here? But man, this, was, this is Vacation Bible School. This is the look of excitement. This is the look of enjoyment whenever Bible school comes around. And that's what I said, that today always just reminds me of how great it is to be a kid. Because let's just be honest about something. There is some threshold that we pass. There is some threshold that we walk through. And all of a sudden, that joy that's right there, that I'm just going to swing my arms and bang my head. And this is great. And that's gone. I don't know. Maybe our favorite verse becomes... That passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he says, when I was a boy, I thought as a boy, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And we think, oh, well, well, that means that, that when I become an adult, there can't be any kiddiness left in me. It has to all, all leave. Well, we'll do an exegesis of that passage later on, but I just want you to know, that's not what it's talking about. And so... To let you go back to your childhood just for a little bit, all right? And to let you kind of get ready for vacation Bible school and to see how well you've been preparing over this, over this, these last few weeks because you knew that today was coming, right? 
Vacation Bible School Day. Are you ready? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Tuesday. Now, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm hearing a lot of wares over here. Not hearing too many wares over here. Now, if you've forgotten, or if this wasn't a song that you sang in Vacation Bible School days, it's all about, I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart, and then it's your time to yell out, where? And then we all say, down in my heart, right? You got it? If you don't get it, listen to these guys, and we'll figure it out, right? Here we go. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my, down in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, my members. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Oh, sit on attack. Sit on attack, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Oh, sit on attack to stay, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Awesome, thank you. Now, aren't you feeling more like a kid a little bit? <sighs> And why can't we always feel like a kid? Why can't we always have that excitement in our life? It's because it's like, well, because I got to go to work. I mean, if I didn't have to work, I could always feel like a kid. I mean, of course kids feel great. All they have to do is sleep and eat and watch TV and, oh, and, sorry, I left it over here. Play Pokemon Go. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> Hang on, hang on, let me see. Where is it? I think it's back here. Hey, have you guys started playing that yet, by the way? No? You, you haven't played Pokemon Go? Some of you are like, what in the world is Pokemon Go? It's something that's bringing out the kid again in a lot of older people. Because you think it's just something that teens are doing. You think it's just the tweens. And then you go walk out in the park. You go downtown. And you see these grown people that have jobs, right? And they're walking around and they got their phones. And they're like bumping into each other. And they're moving all around. And, and, they're, and they're taking pictures with imaginary creatures. And, and for some of these people, I want to tell them, you know that's not really there, right? I mean, you, you know that there's nothing sitting on the shoulder of your wife. You know that, right? Oh, man. To be a kid again. But let's be honest. It can be difficult. Because there's just a lot of joy stealers that are out there. There are. A lot of joy stealers. Everything from the jobs to relationships to bills and just to life and all the things that happen in the headlines and just the, the terror and the tragedy that's been going on around the world. And I know we, we discussed that last week and prayed over that. It just causes us to grow old in the soul. It causes us to grow old in the soul. And we forget who we were made to be. Author G.K. Chesterton would write back in the 1940s about this condition. 
Listen to what he says. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but he has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we are. Are you old in the soul? If you are, and you know it if you are, I want you to turn and I want you to look at a passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians. We've been walking through Philippians for the last few weeks, this this letter of joy, and I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4. Because Paul has a message to everyone who has ever grown old in the soul. He has a message of joy. He has a message of rejoicing because that is the type of people that our God expects us to be. Jesus would talk to his disciples and he would say, my joy I give you so that your joy might be complete. Do you realize that? Jesus wanted to give his followers even more joy than they themselves had. He wanted them to have his joy. Because he understood that we were to be children who would rejoice. And so Paul would write to the Philippians. He would write to these Christians. And all through the book, he would talk to them about having joy and rejoicing. And then he gets here. He gets here to chapter 4. And he pins a verse that we know and that we've read before. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I think because he realizes that people grow old in the soul, he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, here's the thing we need to get right off the bat. Joyful living is not an option for a disciple of Christ. You understand that? To be joyful, to rejoice, it's not an option. It is a command where God says, you are to be rejoicing. You are to be filled and overflowing with joy. But here's the thing I think that happens. For some reason, joylessness is the sin most accepted in our churches. If you don't want to be filled with joy, that's fine. That's your option. You can do what you want to as long as you give. That's what a lot of places think, right? Yeah. And yet you look here and you see... He says, listen, I know you're old in the soul, so I'm going to say it again. You need to rejoice. And now he's going to give you some ways in which you can rejoice. And I just want to share these real quick. And man, we've got a busy day today. When we conclude our service here in a few minutes, 
Um, all of our children are going to be coming uh, back in. Those are at Kids Praise and we worship right now. And we're going to bring them back in and set them down here around the front. And, and we're going to have uh, all of our VBS cast. They're going to be coming down and inviting the children to come to, to Vacation Bible School. And I know today we've got a, a shower for Jordan and Jeff. And they're back with us. And guys, congratulations on your first week of marriage. You made it. Woo! That's awesome. That's great. And deacons, don't forget, you've got a meeting. Now, that's going to steal some joy, but you've got to come anyway, all right? Uh, deacons got a meeting this afternoon, and we've got kickoff for VBS tonight. We've got worship at 6, and we've got meal at 6.30, and we've got jumpy things. And I mean, it's a busy day. A lot of things. So, real quick, real quick. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. You want to feel joy in your life? Then understand that God is present with you. Rejoice in the presence of God. He says, the Lord is near. Some translations say, the Lord is at hand. For the early church, the idea that Christ was returning and that everything was going to be made right, it wasn't something that was off in the future, sometime, somewhere. It was something that they truly believed. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. It could be right now. And it's something that they were told to rejoice in. Because being close with God and being in relationship with God and being face to face with God was something that was to bring joy because of what Jesus, because of what he had done through the cross. So he says, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. But sometimes for us, as we grow old in the soul, we just have a hard time seeing God's presence. We have a hard time of understanding that, yes, God is with me when I am taking this exam. God is with me as I'm going to the doctor. That God is with me as I'm just driving back and forth from Nashville to Chattanooga, from Chattanooga to Knoxville and all the other places that I have to go. That God is actually present in my mundane things that I do over and over again. I love the Old Testament passage, 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a story about a man by the name of Elisha, a prophet of God. And because he has been telling God's king where all of God's enemies were, one of those enemies decides to send soldiers to Elisha's home to take him into custody to make sure that, that this does not happen anymore, that his secrets aren't being told by the prophet of God. And so one of the prophet's servants goes outside one morning and he looks and the, the hills are filled with chariots and they're filled with soldiers and they're filled with the enemy and he's terrified. And he runs and he gets his master and he tells him all the things that are going on and here's what Elisha tells him. He says, listen, don't be afraid because those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. And I have to think that the servants, like, I was just out there. I saw none of us. I saw a whole bunch of them, but not very many of us. And when you read through there in 2 Kings chapter 6, right around verse 16, you find where the prophet of God prays, and he prays specifically that the eyes of his servant might be opened. And the text says that the servant's eyes were open and he looks around and surrounding the enemy army was the army of the Lord. The army of God surrounding the enemy's army. And he was able to see, oh, 
us. Yeah. Us. That's, that's who's with us. And I say, I love that story from the Old Testament because when you come over to the, to the New Testament writings and you read about the way that God interacts with his covenant people now, you can read in, you can read in passages like 1 John chapter 4 and, and verse 4 where it says, the one that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What does that mean? There's more of us than them. You need to hear that again, don't you? Because of all the things that have been going on in the world recently, because of all the things that have brought you concern, because of all the things that have stolen your joy, you need to hear that again. There are more of us than them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, Scripture says that if you draw near to God, He draws near to you. So we're supposed to be rejoicing because of the presence of the Lord. Jesus said, listen, I want you to go and I want you to share my message. And I want you to make disciples. And I want you to, to wash them. I want you to baptize them. I want you to plunge them so that they might be clean, so that they might be redeemed. And He says, Teach them everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always. Be with you always. So rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice because of the very presence of God, Paul writes. And then he continues on. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you've grown old in the soul. If you want to be young again, then rejoice over God's peace. Rejoice over the peace that passes all understanding, that nobody can figure out, that no one else can understand. But for some reason, you just know there's a spirit of peace that dwells there in your life. You say, I want that. I want to be able to have it. How do I get it? Something that the disciples discovered that I think that we need to realize. There was an account that's given in your Gospels. You can read about it in, in different places. Uh, Mark chapter 4 is one of those. And there is an account where the disciples and Jesus are on a boat together and there's this great storm that comes up and, and Jesus is, he's just taking it all in and, and he is peacefully sleeping and they, they wake him up. They wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? And I love the way that they challenge him and they challenge just his, his goodness when they say, don't you care? And I wonder, have we ever thought about that when it comes to our relationship with God? Have we ever gone to God at times and said, God, I just really wonder if you care because I'm seeing what's going on with my children right now and I wonder if you care. You're seeing what's taking place in your job. You say, God, are you, do you care? You see what's going on in our world. You see what's been happening in, in France. You see the things that take place in Dallas and, and all other places and you're wondering, God, do you care? And Jesus looked out at the storm that was blowing and he just says what? Do you remember the story? He says, Peace. Be still. Peace. When asked, do you care? God responds with peace. And it says that the disciples, disciples were amazed at what took place and they looked at one another and they wondered, what kind of man? What kind of man is this? But they discovered something that day. 
they discovered what you and I still need to understand. That true peace is only found in the presence of God. You can't find it in a bottle. You can't find it in pills. You can't find it in relationships. You can't find it in entertainment. You can't find it in money. You can't find it in pleasure. But you can find it in God. And if you've grown old in the soul, if you're someone that just doesn't know how to rejoice anymore, then can you rediscover perhaps or discover for the first time the very peace of God that's only found in His presence? It's only found by drawing near to Him. That's only found by allowing Him to truly have reign in your life. Paul will continue on. Wanting them to be able to rejoice. Wanting them to find joy in their life. And so he's going to talk beginning in verse 10 about different situations that he's been in. And and different things that, that he's gone through. So he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed you have been concerned but you have not had an opportunity to show it. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I wish you had never heard this before because if you had never heard some of this, you'd be sitting here this morning going, man, I want some of that. And I want it for my kids, (laughs) right? I mean, how can, you, how can you give them contentment? How can my wife find contentment? My husband have contentment, whether in plenty or in want, whether if you're well-fed or if you're hungry. How can there be contentment in life? What is it? I want some of it. And here's what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, here is how, here is how I Here's how I can live my life without allowing the circumstances of life to dictate my joy. It's all about the power of God. He said, because of God's power, I can be content in any and every situation. Because He is where I get my strength. He is the one who is strong enough to care for me. He is the one who is strong enough to hear my prayers and to answer. He is the one who is able to move mountains. He is the one who is able to care for me. And one of the things that happens as we grow older, we begin to think that it's all about us and it's all about our power and it's all about our strength and it's all about our knowledge and our ingenuity and we've just got to work harder and we've got to move faster and we've just got to accomplish more. And if we can do those things and then everything will come into place and we'll be content and yet tell me, how is that hamster wheel working for you? How is it working You go harder and harder, and you go faster and faster, and it seems like you just keep being less content and less content, and Paul says, listen, it's not by your strength, it's by God's strength. Because we need to remember something that we learned long ago in Bible school. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Remember that one? Just sing that part with me. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Now, for those of you that feel like you just lied, because let's be honest, 
the realist sits in the pew and goes, I know there's some things that God can't do because I prayed and I asked and I wept and it didn't happen. And you're right. You did pray. And you did weep. And you begged. And whatever it was that you asked for, it did not come to fruition the way that you wanted it to. And you have chosen to see the end result as being the fact that God just can't do things anymore. That God just doesn't have the power, or at least he doesn't want to demonstrate his power. But Paul says, listen, I can... Be content in whatever the circumstances. And you think there were times that Paul prayed and he wanted something to happen and it didn't? You think that ever happened to Paul? You say, oh, I'm sure it never happened to Paul. Wrong! Remember when he's talking about what he describes as a thorn in his flesh? And he prays three different times. God, would you please take this away? Will you please remove this? And yet, all he hears from God is, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is okay. See, Paul goes through, he understands what it means to ask and not get answered the way in which he would like to have it. And he says, here's how I get through it. How do you do it, Paul? How do you handle it when you pray and you don't get what you want? How do you handle it when you preach and nobody listens? How do you handle it when people try to, to um, kill you, when they're trying to stab you in the back? How do you handle it when nothing's going right? And he says, listen, I can be content because of the power of God. My God is so big, he's strong and so mighty, and there's nothing that my God cannot do. See, it was the power of God that brought down Goliath. It was the power of God that brought down those walls of Jericho that when you were in Bible school one year, you walked around. It was the power of God that parted the Red Sea so that God's people could walk through on dry ground. It was the power of God that brought Jesus back out of that tomb. And it was the power of God that gave new, new life when because of your faith, you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself over to God and I'm going to die to myself. And you came up out of the water and yeah, you look like a wet rat, but there was something that was happening on the inside of you because the very spirit of God was alive and strengthening you and the same power that took down Goliath and the same power that brought down the walls and the same power that parted the sea and the same power that brought Jesus out of the tomb and the same power that connected you back again with God is the same power that you have today to live and to breathe. If you believe. And because of that, Paul says, there's joy. One last thing. Look near the end of the passage. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He said, listen, if you're old in the soul and you need to rejoice, think about God's presence, consider God's peace, gain access to God's power. And then finally, he closes this out and says, but don't forget, don't forget God's provision. That God will provide what you need when you need it. I mentioned earlier that uh, my family and I are wrapping up six years here, a part of this congregation. How many others of you here have come to East Brainerd over the last six years? If you've come since I've been the preacher here, just raise your hand. That's an easy way to tell if you wonder. Okay. How how many of you have been at East Brainerd over, uh, let's say, over 10 years, if you've been a part of this family over 10 years? Okay, awesome. How many of you have been a part of this congregation over 20 years? 
Raise your hand. Fantastic. How about um, um, 40? We got anybody over 40 years? Praise God. Got a few. Good. Over 50 years. I want to make sure Richard gets to raise his hand. How many of you have been here as long as Richard? If you've been here as long as Richard, just go ahead and, uh, <laughs> and raise your hand. Hey, here's what you've learned. Whether you've been a part of this church family since the time the doors were open, not just at this location, but when we were just down the road, or whether you've just come in the last six years, six months, six weeks, or six days, hopefully you've learned that where God guides, God provides. You've seen that in your life, right? You've seen it when you've had to make moves and you didn't want to move, you didn't want to leave, you, you liked where you were, you, you thought everything was going great and you had your kids in a good school and everything was just trucking right along and then something took place and all of a sudden now you had to move and you're like, man, how are we going to do this and how are we going to survive? And you realize where God guides, God provides. You were trying to decide, well, what, what should we do and what decisions should we make in terms of, of our, our family and, and, and what should we do when it comes to our finances and, and what do we need to do when it comes to our retirement and all these different questions that come through life. And you realize where God guides, God provides. Because Paul says, listen, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He says, when you're in Christ, there is this way in which God provides for you, and you don't even realize he's doing it. Because oftentimes we look for the provision to come in, in ways that, that we feel like are tangible, in ways that we can hold on to, and things that we can oftentimes point to and hold and say, oh, I know that God provided. And yet it's not until later that we look back and we say, you know, I didn't even realize that he was doing it then. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't see how, how that move was needed because my blood pressure was just going up and up and we needed to get out of that situation and we needed to move, but he sustained my life through that to get me to where we needed to be. And I didn't realize at the time that things were going to go south when it comes to the relationship with my children and we needed to be closer to the grandparents and we needed to be closer to family because there were going to be health concerns, but God was with us all the way along there and I had no idea that he was providing. I had no idea that he was caring for me. And yet Paul says, listen, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Because Paul understands that the things that you need the most are not always the things that you think about. He understands that, you know what, you need to recognize God's presence. And you need to have God's peace in your life. And you need to be able to be strengthened by God's power. And Paul understands that you need to see how that God is providing for you. When those things are present in your life, you just can't help but be filled with joy. You can't help but overflow. You understand why Paul says rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. When we first started this study, I told you about a group of children that I met years ago in Jamaica that taught me a new vacation Bible school song. And they would sing together and say, there's a flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. There is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. Then they would sing through about joy was a flag. They would sing about peace being a flag and love being a flag. But it was the joy one that really got my attention because it was the joy one that they would always save to last. And when they would sing that one, all the kids would stand up and their arms would go up in the air and that would be their flag. 
And after they tell everybody that joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart, they would yell and they would say, so fly it high in the sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, fly it high from the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. You see, you grow old in the soul. You grow old in the soul when God no longer is in residence in your life. But when God is present, you can't help but be filled with joy. And when God is present, you can't help but allow that joy to spill over and to be shared because that flag comes riding up and it begins to fly high and it begins to be shared with all those who are around and others see and understand what it means to have the joy of the Lord. And so we're going to sing and encourage one another in singing the song of the joy of the Lord one more time together. And maybe as we sing this song, you need to come this morning and say, you know what, I've just grown old in the soul. And I have not allowed the Spirit of God to truly live through my life. And I want to be like Paul and, and, and be able to say that I've been crucified with Christ, yet not, it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives through me. And I want to have that joy, and I want other people to know about that joy, and we want to pray with you about that. Maybe you're, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about being able to have the joy of the Lord. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about God's presence and God's peace and God's power and God's provision. We need to know that all this is available for you through faith in Jesus Christ. And he's asked that all of those who have faith in him, all of those who say, you know what, I want what Jesus has. He's asked that all those be baptized so that their sins might be washed away, so they might have a new life to live, being filled with joy. Maybe you want to do that. You say, well, we're going to baptize you. Well, look at this big ocean we got right here. I mean, um, believe it or not, back behind here, there, there's some water that's back there. And guess what? Nobody else is going to be able to see your baptism, but God's going to know. All right? And that's all that matters. I mean, it's, right? I mean, as long as God knows, right? Hey, hey, listen, we will celebrate with you if that's something that you desire. So please don't think that because this is up here. Well, I can't get baptized today. Wrong. We'll plunge you. We'll do that. Guys, be joyful. Don't grow old in the soul. Remember what it was like to be a kid. Remember what Vacation Bible School did for you when you were little and live that life each and every day. Let's stand and praise God together.